Good morning. You know, it's funny. I actually never eat breakfast on Sunday mornings, and it does not bother me at all. And this morning, I'm preaching about fasting, and I am so hungry right now. <laughs> no, I do not want a donut. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, my name is Bethany Skarupa, and I am the teaching pastor here at Believer's Chapel. And this morning, I am going to be speaking on prayer and fasting and kicking off our 21 days of prayer and fasting that starts tomorrow. And I, I just wanted to encourage you, I know that some of you saw the under the light that was on yesterday. If you look on Facebook, you can check. I think it's on YouTube as well. You can find it on YouTube as well. Find that under the light where Pastor Joey and Pastor Rich and I talk about fasting. And we actually talked about three reasons why we fast. I'm going to go over those very quickly right now to start, but I encourage you to actually look that up, find that video, and watch that whole thing. It's, um, I think you'll be very encouraged and motivated to get started. Um, but the first reason that we talked about why should we fast is to connect with God. We talked about, you know, uh, um, people came to Jesus complaining and saying, look, we see, we see the Pharisees are fasting. They would fast actually twice a week. And he said, we see the, the disciples of John fasting, and John the Baptist, you know, if you think about uh, people who lived a fasted lifestyle and people who fasted in the Bible, we don't always think of John the Baptist, but he actually lived a regular lifestyle of fasting where he just ate honey and locusts and that's it all the time. And he, he basically stayed out in the wilderness and he fasted all the time. So the people come and say, you know, everybody else is fasting but your disciples are not fasting. And fasting was actually, we see it all throughout the, the Old Testament as well, it was a regular practice for the people of God to fast. So they come, and here, here's Jesus, here's the Messiah, and his disciples aren't even fasting. And he answers and says, right now, they don't fast because the bridegroom is with them. But there will come a day where I'm taken away, I'm not with them anymore, and they will fast then. Well, why is that? Because fasting helps us to connect with Jesus. Fasting helps us to experience his presence, right? So that's the first reason why we should fast. The second is to reveal and silence the flesh. And this is not fun for anybody, right? Your feelings do not like fasting. Your flesh does not like fasting. Your, even as I am preaching this morning about fasting, your flesh is going to be telling you all of the reasons why you shouldn't fast all of the things that you can't give up, right? Your flesh is going to try to negotiate. Your flesh is going to, you just say, shut up, flesh. I'm going to listen to the word of God. Amen? So, so fasting, Mike Bickle uh, talks about the false god of food. And he says, you don't even realize that you have made food a god in your life until you start to fast. And then when your body cries out and says, you are killing me. I'm dying. I'll tell you right now, I don't care if you do a full fast or you do a partial fast like the Daniel fast. When you give up the foods that your body lusts after, sugar, caffeine, processed foods, your flesh is going to cry out. Your flesh is going to tell you that you're dying. You are not dying. Okay? <laughs> Remember me saying this to you. When your head is throbbing and you feel weak and you say, I cannot live like this. I'm going to die. No, your body is actually detoxing. And, and you need to recognize that and say, wow, I have, I have an issue here with my flesh that needs to be de dealt with, okay? 
So the third reason that we fast is simply to be obedient. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about practicing our righteousness, and he says, when you practice your righteousness, this is how you do it. And he talks about three things. And all of them, he talks about our heart attitude. So he says, when you pray, he has this expectation that as disciples of Christ that we're going to pray, and he says, when you pray, this is how you do it. You don't make a big show. You don't use a whole bunch of words. You don't try to impress people. You pray in secret, and your heavenly Father will reward you openly. Right? And he says, and when you give, when you give, there's an expectation that we're going to give. When you give, this is how you give. You don't make a big show of it and let everybody know. You don't give a $100 tip when you go out to eat and then take a picture of it and post it on Facebook. Right? <laughs> wow, look how, you know, you, we often will be like, uh, you know, I'm just trying to encourage other people to be generous. No, you're not. <laughs> you're just trying to show off. Look at me. I gave $100 to the waitress, right? That's not how we're supposed to give. And, the, and Jesus says, and when you give in secret before just your heavenly father, your heavenly father will reward you openly. And the third thing he says when you're practicing your righteousness, he says, when you fast, this is how you fast. He doesn't say if you fast, if you pray, if you give. He says when. Now, this is not a command in Scripture, you have to fast, right? But it is an expectation that Jesus has. It is an example that we have from Jesus and from, you know, all of the um, biblical characters we see throughout the whole, from Genesis all the way through to the New Testament, we see people giving the example of fasting. And Jesus has this expectation. When you fast, and he says, you fast, you don't make your face all miserable, you don't look all grouchy so everybody knows, I'm fasting, this is awful, this is miserable. You don't scrunch up your face and say, oh, me without caffeine, oh, me without sugar. No, that's not the attitude that you should have. You're standing against the flesh. You're fasting with a good attitude and say, you know what, I have a headache, I don't feel good, but that's not what I'm focusing on. That's not what I'm paying attention to. I'm listening for the voice of God. I'm connecting with God, right? So we fast, we pray, we give with a heart attitude. We do them before God, not to impress anybody, right? So we're going to focus this morning on one of those three things. The first and probably most important is fasting to connect with God. And... I just want, my, the main thing that I want you to take away from today, what I want you to remember, what I want you to hear from me is this. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. So I'm going to talk about four different people in the Bible who fasted. And there's, there's one, I'm going to talk about Elijah, Moses, Jesus, and Daniel. Elijah, Moses, and Jesus all did a 40-day fast. And Daniel did a 21-day fast. That's what we're doing. We're doing a 21-day fast, right? So I'm going to talk to you mainly about Elijah. We're going to spend some time looking at Elijah and what he went through. And, you know, I want you to think about yourself when we read about Elijah and see where can you see yourself in this picture. All right, so in 1 Kings 17, 
in the first verse, we see Elijah. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, does this sound like somebody who's confident in the word of God? He goes right to the king, and he said, There's not going to be rain or dew on this land for years until I say so. Why was he so confident? Because he knew that that's what God spoke to him. So he had the confidence to speak that out, right? Then, so the rain stops, and God tells him, Elijah, I want you to go to this brook, and I'm going to take care of you. So he says, all right, God's going to send me to this brook. I'm going to go. So he goes to this brook, and God sends birds to bring him food. Every morning and every evening, they bring him meat and bread. For breakfast and for dinner, every day, he gets a steak sandwich delivered by the birds, right? He, so he's there. He follows the word of God, and God provides for his every need. He hears the word of God, and he obeys. So he goes to this brook. He's, get, he's just there being nourished by God, by the birds bringing him food. He's there for I don't know how long, and then eventually, because there's no rain and no dew, that brook dries up. So the provision of God for that specific circumstance, it dried up. This is what God gave him to provide for him, and now it's gone. And God says, now I want you to go and find this widow. There's a, there's a widow in the land of Zarephath. I want you to go find her, and she's going to give you food. So he doesn't argue with God and say, but God, you gave me this provision. I want to stay here. I want to stay where this brook is and where I get my steak sandwiches delivered for breakfast and for dinner, and I can just sit here and enjoy the provision you gave me. Right? But God said, no, that provision dried up. It's time to move. So he says, Elijah says, all right, I'm going to go. Where God says the provision is, I'm going to go. So he goes to this widow, and imagine this. He goes to the widow, and he says, he, he goes to Zarephath, he sees the widow, and he says, could you bring me, um, can I have a, a cup of water? Can I have some water? So she's like, all right, she's getting water. So she brings him some water, and he says, actually, can you bring me some, a little bit of bread too? So they're, they're in the middle of this drought, and a famine because of it. And he's going to this widow who has no husband to provide for her either. And he says, can you give me some water in the middle of a drought? And can you give me some bread in the middle of a famine? That's pretty brave, right? <laughs> to, go, to go ask of somebody who has hardly anything. And she says, listen, you can have some water, but I have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to go home and bake it so my son and I can eat and then die. That's the plan. We're going to eat the last of what we have, and then we're going to die. And he says, no, listen, if you'll give me a little bit of bread first, then your flour and oil will never run out. And so she says, all right, hey, it's worth a try, right? So she makes him some bread. She gives it to him first, and then she, she has flour and oil to, pre pre to prepare bread for her and her son until the rain came again. It never ran out. So, so he's there with this widow, with this next provision. Her son, they received this miraculous provision from God, and it says, you know, her son got sick, and he got sicker and sicker until there was no breath left in him, which means he's dead, right? Breath and spirit are actually the same word in Scripture, breath and spirit. There's no breath in him. There's no spirit in him. He's dead. So Elijah takes the boy's dead body, prays over it, and the boy comes back to life. 
and he gives the, the son back to his mom. Here, here's your son. He's alive again. He, he raised this child from the dead, or this young man. I don't know how old he was. So then he goes from there. God says, okay, it's been three years now. It's time for the rain to come again. So Elijah's like, all right, it's time for the rain. So he goes, he goes back to where the king of Israel is, Ahab, and he's, he finds another prophet, and he says, go tell Ahab that I'm here. And he's like, I'm not telling him that, because if you disappear, he's going to kill me. He's been hunting for you everywhere. You're the one who said it's not going to rain, and we've been in famine for three years. And Elijah's like, I'm not going anywhere. Go tell him I'm here. So he walks right up into the belly of the beast, right? This guy who's been hunting him, this king who has been hunting for him everywhere, because he's the one who spoke and stopped the rain, he walks right up to him and says, all right, I'm back. Here I am, fully confident. God said it's time to rain again. So not only that, he says, listen, I want you to call all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of Asherah. So these are the gods, the false gods that the Israelites, the people of God, had started to worship from the, the nations around them. These are the gods of the false gods of sexual perversion and child sacrifice. And the, the children of God, the children, the people of God are worshiping these false gods. So he calls, the, the prophets come forward, the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 pro prophets of Asherah, and he says, all right, you prophets of Baal, listen, I'm the only prophet of God there is. There's 450 of you. Let's have a little contest. Let's each sacrifice to our gods and call on our gods to rain down fire from heaven and burn up the sacrifice. 450 of you, one of me, and we'll see whose God is real. So they, the 450 prophets of Baal, they set up their sacrifice. They spend all morning chanting to their God, trying to call down fire from heaven. Then around lunchtime, Elijah starts poking at them. And he's like, hmm, maybe, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe your God is busy doing something else. Maybe your God is using the bathroom, right? So um, what Elijah is doing, you know, we think it's, you know, he's kind of mocking, he's making fun, it's kind of silly, saying things like, well, maybe your God is, he has to use the toilet, right? But what, he, what Elijah was doing is he is ascribing to their God characters of humanity and needs that people have that gods do not have. So this, is, this was really a high insult from Elijah mocking these prophets of Baal. So they started cutting themselves. If they slice their skin and blood is pouring down to try to get their false god to send fire from heaven. They spend the rest of the day until the evening chanting, cutting themselves, blood coming down, Baal, send fire from heaven. Nothing happens. So then... Elijah says, okay, my turn, right? So he takes 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, sets up an altar, puts the sacrifice on top, and then he has four large jars of water poured on that sacrifice three times. Four plus four plus four is 12. <laughs> 12 jars of water poured over the sacrifice. And then he prays. And he says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. At whose command? 
All these things at God's command. So he heard the word of the Lord and he obeyed it, right? Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back. That you are God, that you are Lord, and you are turning their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord immediately fell and burned up the sacrifice and burned up the stones and burned up the dirt and burned up all the water that was in the trench around it, everything up in smoke. And when this happened, when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate, they fell down on the ground, fell on their faces and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So then Elijah says, all right, all you people who now recognize who is God, you go get those false prophet, prophets and, and kill them. Put them to death. So they did. They put these 400, I don't know if they, it doesn't say if they put all of the prophets of Asher to death as well or just the 450 prophets of Baal, but hundreds of prophets, false prophets were put to death. And then Elijah says, all right, king, get ready. Go get something to eat and drink because we're about to have a storm. The rain is coming. So he goes to pray, and he sends his servant. He prays, God, send the rain. He sends his servant, go look at the sea. Nothing. Comes back, nothing. There's nothing. So he prays again. Lord, send the rain. Sends his servant, go look. There's nothing. Comes again, third time. Lord, send the rain. Looks in the horizon. Nothing. <laughs> Again, four times. Again, five times. Again, six times. Nothing. Don't quit after six times. Seven times. He prays. His servant comes back and says, I see there's a small cloud on the horizon, about the size of a man's hand. Elijah's like, all right, go tell, go tell the king. Get your, get your chariot. Get your horses. Because the rain is about to come. If you don't go now, you're going to get stuck. Then Elijah tucks his robe up, in, his cloak up into his belt. And in the power of the Lord, let's see the verse here. Verse 46, chapter 18, verse 46. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah. And tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. It was like 15 or 16 miles he ran ahead of the chariot in the power of the Lord. So I, I'm telling you all of this, did Elijah see the power of God? Did Elijah hear from God? Then look what happens. Chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab's the king of Israel, told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to kill you. Do you think this is going to shake this man of God? All of these powerful things, he sees God bring provision. He sees God send fire down from heaven. And you know what he does? He ran away and prayed to die. 
He got so scared of this woman threatening his life, he ran away and prayed to die. Now, I've heard a lot of people preach on this passage, and what happens is he, he, he runs away, he prays to die, he lays down, and he goes to sleep. And then two times an angel wakes him up and gives him some food. So I've heard a lot of preachers preach on this passage and say, sometimes we just need a snack and a nap. Right? Sometimes we just need a snack and a nap. But what about what happens next? Because the angel says to him, he didn't just say, all right, you need a snack and a nap, you're good. Keep going. No, he said, get up and eat. Chapter 19, verse 5, get up and eat. And then he says, no, verse uh, 7, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Forty days and 40 nights with no food, no water. This is what's called a supernatural fast. Moses did this, Elijah did this, and Jesus did this. Nobody else in the Bible did this for more than three days. I do not recommend this kind of fast where you don't even consume water. This was, you know, remember, remember in Esther, they did three days without food or water. Beyond that, you're likely to die. So I don't recommend anybody ever fast from water unless God calls you and then for a very, very short period of time, right? This is a supernatural event. 40 days and 40 nights, no food and no water. So did Elijah need a snack and a nap? Or did he need to, for 40 days and 40 nights, walk through the wilderness toward the mountain of God, telling his flesh to be quiet, stepping away from the things of the world, stepping away from the noise of the world, and pursuing with all of his strength the mountain of God. Forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. No uh, cable TV, no Facebook, no Instagram, no podcasts, no network news, 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, saying no to the flesh, saying no to the world, pursuing the mountain of God. And then what happens when he gets to the mountain of God, God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? He, gives, he offers God his complaint. He's been stewing about it 40 days and 40 nights. He's like, I'm, I'm going after God, and I'm going to get my answer, right? He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. Our, our nation has turned away from you. Does that sound familiar? They've broken down your altars. They've put your prophets to death with the sword. He's saying this right after he slayed all of Baal's prophets, by the way. But he's, bringing up, he's not bringing that up to God. He's bringing up, your prophets have been put to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So he brings his complaint to God. And then this, this is this incredible story where God sends, he says, go stand on the mountain for the presence, in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. He's about to encounter God. So this, this unbelievable wind 
comes through. This powerful wind comes through and says the Lord was not in the wind. And then there's, there's a massive earthquake, powerful earthquake. The whole ground shakes. Everything shakes. The mountain shakes. The Lord was not in the earthquake. Then comes this blazing fire comes through. Fire. Burns everything up. The Lord was not in the fire. And then Elijah hears a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. And when he heard that, he put his cloak over his face and he came out to talk with God. So God comes in this gentle whisper, not in the storm, not in the earthquake, not in the fire, in this gentle whisper. And he gives, he gives Elijah encouragement, and he gives him direction. He says, this is what you're going to do next. And he says, and listen, there are 7,000 that have not bowed to Baal. You're not the only one. You are not the only one. It looks like the whole nation has turned away from me and rejected me. But you're not the only one. There's still some left. Right? So Elijah had to turn off the noise of the world so that he could hear the voice of God. I want to remind you today, don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. You need to be deliberate about it. You need to pursue it. You need to seek it. You need to head for the mountain. So the other, the other three people that I wanted to mention... Who, who fasted, I wanted to talk about what they fasted and what their experience was as well. There are a lot more people who fasted in the Bible. Moses was somebody else who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Do we have that verse from Exodus 34? Exodus 34, 28 through 30. Okay, Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law, covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. So Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water, just communing with God. You know what he did? that Elijah did as well, he pulled away from the community. He was in isolation on the mountain, him and God and just a few others who were, who were like Joshua around him. Pull away from the world, away from food, away from the flesh, commune with God, listen to the voice of God. And his face shone with the brilliance of being with God. Pretty awesome, right? Daniel is another one. Now, Daniel, he fasted for three weeks. This is the second time in the beginning of Daniel when he was young, he and his friends fasted. They did the vegetables only. This time in Daniel chapter 10, uh, verses 2 and 3, he's, he is fasting. Um, he's probably around 90 years old here when he's fasting again. It says, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. 
So Daniel is, he didn't fast from all food and water. He didn't even fast from all food. He, he said, these are the three things. Why did he pick those three things? Choice foods, meat, and wine. These probably, these are the three things that his flesh lusted for the most. So he said, these are the things that I'm going to give up. The things that are most pleasant to my flesh. So anytime we have this 21 days of prayer and fasting, and this is not condemnation to any of you who have come to me, people will come and say, this is what I can't give up. Can I give up everything but? Is it okay if I give up everything but? Listen, there's no rules. Some, some people in the Bible fasted everything. Some people fasted some things. John ate honey and wild locusts. I don't know of anybody in my lifetime who has done a John the Baptist fast, just honey and bugs. <laughs> but if there is something that your flesh is telling you, you can't give that up for 21 days. I'm going to tell you right now, that's the thing that you should give up for 21 days. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody else. That's between you and God. But if there's something that your flesh is saying, don't give this up for 21 days. You can't do it. You can't make it for 21 days. That's the thing to give up. Amen? I don't know how many people say amen to that, but <laughs> hang with me. <laughs> All right, and then Jesus. Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Again, where was he when he fasted 40 days and 40 nights? He was in the wilderness. He, was, he pulled away from everything else. He pulled away from the noise of the world. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Satan comes to Jesus. Now listen, everybody else we see, Elijah hears the voice of God. Moses hears the voice of God. Daniel had this at the end of his fast. An angel came and gave him this unbelievable vision of end times that was equivalent to John's vision, uh, not John the Baptist, the disciple John, his vision in the book of Revelation, right? This unbelievable vision, vision this message from God. Jesus fast, who comes to him? He hears the voice of Satan. It's a bit odd, right? But Satan comes to him. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. So he appeals to the hunger, the fleshly hunger, because Jesus had been fasting for 40 days, and now his hunger has returned. Because after you fast for a few days, your hunger actually goes away. And then around 40 days, your hunger comes back, and it comes back viciously. And that's the point that Jesus was at. But Jesus answers this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I will tell you right now, when you make the decision to fast, your flesh is going to come against you, and the enemy is going to come against you. He's going to come with temptation. And your answer should be this, I do not live on bread alone. I do not live on sugar alone. I do not live on processed food alone. I do not live on coffee alone. I live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, see when Jesus fasted, Satan came against him, 
But Jesus recognized whose voice that was. He knew this was not the voice of the Father. He knew what this was coming from, and he answered with the word of God. And he said, my bread, my food, is the voice of God. Don't let the noise of this world keep you from hearing the voice of God. Listen, your flesh is going to hate fasting. The enemy does not want you fasting. Your feelings will not be happy when you decide to fast, but your spirit will be happy. Your heavenly Father who sees what is done in secret and rewards you openly will be happy. And I encourage you, as you stand against the flesh, to really take this seriously about not, not letting the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. Because you, can, you, can, you could do 21 days of water only, and you could complain the whole time, you could be miserable the whole time, you could watch the news the whole time and be discouraged, you could have uh, all of your input coming from social media, from TV, from the world, and still be discouraged and heavy and downtrodden. Or you can pull away, you know, in every hurricane, you've seen the destructive power of hurricanes, right? And every hurricane, right in the center, in the eye of the storm, there's this calm, quiet spot. That's the spot that we're going to step into for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Step away from the world. Step away from the flesh. Step away from the storm. Don't let that noise keep you from hearing the voice of God. Step right into that eye of the storm, into the center of that storm. Listen to the voice of God. What, what will happen if for 21 days you don't watch any news? You don't look at anything on social media? What part of the world will fall apart if you are not connected and in the know, but you're connected to the one who knows everything, right? Take three weeks. Say no to the flesh. Say no to the world. Listen to the voice of God. Listen, we've got, we have some resources for you. We have a, we have a 21 days of gratitude journal. Now, the weekend after Thanksgiving, I preached a message on gratitude, and if you haven't heard that, I encourage you to look it up on YouTube and listen to that message about gratitude, why we chose to start this year with gratitude. You have heard um, hindsight is 2020, right? Well, we are declaring in this 21 days of prayer and fasting that 2020 is hindsight. 2020 is hindsight. That's behind us, okay? 2020 was a year of complaining. I don't know if you noticed that or not, if I'm the only one who saw that. We're making 2021 the year of gratitude. We're going to spend three weeks. We're going to focus on the first week. We're going to focus on who God is. The second week, we're going to focus on what God has done. And the third week, we're going to focus on God's faithfulness in the midst of challenges. So grab this journal. You can sign up for the 21 days of prayer fasting in the back. You can sign up uh, if you're watching online. Get online. You can get these resources on our website as well. Get the journal. It has a scripture every day for you to read 
and pray over, and it has a place for you to journal gratitude every single day. We have another resource called Total Stewardship. That's something that I wrote a couple years ago. This is, it's a four-week plan, but you can just use three weeks of it, or you can use four if you want to. And this gives you, you know, a guide. We have a few of these. It's on the website. We have a few of these printed up. If we don't have enough for you, you can sign up for it today, and you can come pick it up tomorrow night at um, prayer night, Monday night prayer. And we're encouraging every single Monday during this fast, we're going to get together corporately, come here, and worship God and pray together. I know you have time to do it because you're not going to be watching the news and you're not going to be on social media. <laughs> you're not going to be watching TV. Come here and pray. Step into the center of the storm. Step into the eye of the hurricane. Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. I encourage some of you even need to turn off some of the... Um, Christian po podcasts that you listen to, some of the teachings, some of the things that where you are hearing what God spoke to somebody else. Some of you need to do that, but some of you need to turn that off and say, I'm going to get into the Bible, and I'm just going to listen for my Father's voice. I'm going to listen to the voice of God, and I'm going to hear for myself what God has to say. There's a scripture verse, I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. We're going to spend a little bit of time in worship, and then um, we'll have um, John Barnes will come up and close the service, and then the, the ushers will release you. But I w there's a scripture verse in Hosea, chapter 6, verse 3. And I'm reading this from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. That's the version that says this. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. Let us strive to know the Lord. He's not going to disappoint you. He's not going to not meet you. Don't be surprised if during these days of prayer and fasting, you feel empty. You feel like I'm not hearing from God. Remember Daniel, he didn't get his answer until after at the end of his three weeks of fasting. And I think that happens an awful lot where we get to the end of our commitment and then we see the results come. And then we hear the voice of God more clearly. Right? So don't get discouraged. You know, Don't expect that all this prayer and fasting is just going to be all mountaintop experience with the with the fire and the earthquake and the wind and the, the gentle whisper, but be committed, right? Make a decision. I'm not going to listen to my flesh. I'm not going to listen to the world. I'm going to shut off the noise of the world so that I can hear the voice of God. And the Bible promises when we strive to know the Lord that his appearance is as sure as the dawn. As surely as I know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow, I know that God will answer you when you strive to know him. That is the fullness of my confidence. When the sun rises tomorrow, let it be a reminder to you that God is going to come to us when we seek him. Amen? I'm going to read that one more time, and then we're going to go right into worship. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. 
Don't let the noise of the world keep you from hearing the voice of God. Amen.